And it turned out that that's exactly what my sons majored in, along with Trent Tuggle, and have had interesting careers as a result. So when I look back on (laughs) some of these decisions that I had no idea at the time, the Lord's clear leading was specific. We got a missionary out of the deal and a guy up in Minneapolis who made his living in something related to here. That's just one small example of the very complicated results of God leading when you don't understand intentionally what's happening. Anyway, let's look at this together, and you're going to see examples of that from the hymn that we just sang. 1 Samuel 9, verse 3. Now the donkeys of Kish, Saul's father, were lost. And Kish said to his son Saul, Please take one of the servants with you and arise and go look for the donkeys. So he passed through the mountains of Ephraim and through the land of Shalisha, but they did not find them. Then they passed through the land of Shalem, and they were not there. Then he passed through the land of the Benjaminites, but they were not, they did not find them. When they had come to the land of Ziph, Saul said to his servant who was with him, Come, let us return, lest my father cease caring about the donkeys and become worried about us. And he said to him, Look now, there is this city, a man of God, and he's an honorable man. All that he says surely comes to pass. So let's go there. Perhaps he can show us the way that we should go. Verse 11. As they went up the hill to the city, they met some young women going out to draw water and said to them, Is the seer here? And they answered them and said, Yes, there he is, just ahead of you. Hurry now, for today he came to this city, because there's a sacrifice of the people today on the high place. As soon as you come into the city, you will surely find him before he goes up to the high place to eat. For the people will not eat until he comes, because he must bless the sacrifice. Afterwards, those who are invited will eat. Now, therefore, go up, for about this time you will find him. So they went to the city. As they were coming into the city, there was Samuel coming out toward them on his way up to the high place. Now, the Lord had told Samuel in his ear the day before Saul came, saying, Tomorrow about this time... I will send you a man from the land of Benjamin, and you shall anoint him commander over my people Israel, that he may save my people from the hand of the Philistines. For I have looked upon my people, because their cry has come to me. And when Samuel saw Saul, the Lord said to him, There he is, the man whom I spoke to you. This one shall reign over my people. Then Saul drew near to Samuel in the gate and said, Please tell me, where is the seer's house? And Samuel answered Saul and said, I am the seer. Go up before me to the high place, for you shall eat with me today. And tomorrow I will let you go and will tell you all that is in your heart. But as for your donkeys that were lost three days ago, do not be anxious about them, for they have been found. And on whom is all the desire of Israel? Is it not on you and on your father's house? Think with me a minute here. Saul thought he was on a quest for donkeys. But the Lord led him and led Samuel to intersect 
at the exact minute that the Lord had previously planned to anoint the first king of Israel. Samuel was looking for a king that God had chosen. Saul was looking for donkeys his father had lost. And God orchestrated a totally different outcome that Saul ever imagined. Let's think about lessons for us as a result. How does this apply to us? Well, first of all, the almighty sovereign God can lead us to intersect in other folks' lives at the exact time that they are open to friendship or sympathy or willing to hear and in need of salvation. One time, as an example, I was flying on a plane and they upgraded me to first class because I flew a lot of miles, so they would occasionally upgrade me. So I'm sitting in first class. Woman comes and sits beside me by the window. Two seats there. And so she's very, very nervous and very antsy. And she turns to me and she said, you're not nervous at all about us taking off and flying in this plane. I said, I sleep while this happens or I read a book. She said, why aren't you afraid of dying? She said, I am scared to death of dying. I said, oh, for its sake. I said, and then I explained to her where my hope was. It wasn't in a good pilot. It wasn't on a safe plane. My hope was in the Lord and that he would lead me. That was my hope. She said, will you hold my hand while we take off? And I said, <laughs> I said, yeah, I'll do that. So I held her hand and I explained to her the gospel. And when I got through and we had taken off in the air, this lady said, one of my neighbors told me that exact same thing that you're telling me. Now, isn't that interesting? Different people, the Lord brings into her life at different times. And I thought, now that's really interesting. That sort of thing happened to me several times while I was traveling all around the United States. One of the more unusual ones, and I'm going to divert and go over time. One of the more interesting ones was a publisher. I was dead tired, flew into Oklahoma City. I just wanted to go to bed. I had a nice hotel room, and I was kind of late. And so when I got in, I called the publisher, and he said, let's go to dinner. Well, that's the last thing I wanted to do. I just wanted to sleep. But I said, okay, all right. So I took him to dinner, and as we were talking over dinner, he took out a pack of cigarettes and laid them on the table. And he says, God doesn't want me to smoke, and I've been smoking. He just said that out of the clear blue. And I said, what does God have to do with it? And he said, well, this would make me go to hell. I said, it has nothing to do with going to hell. Nothing. I said, the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. There's no death. There has to be a death. Well, he says, I go to church every Sunday. I said, there's no death in going to church. And he said, well, I I was baptized. I said, there's no death in baptism. There's got to be a death. The wages of sin is death. There's got to be a death. And so I explained the gospel to that man, and he trusted Christ. The publisher prayed and trusted Christ. I thought, 
I was going to sleep tonight. That's what I was going to do. The Lord diverted me in a different direction. He leadeth me. What can I tell you? He leads us. He led, led Saul right here. And Saul was not a good guy in history. <laughs> he had a miserable kingship due to his own decisions. Well, sometimes the Lord leads us to friendships and the gospel fits in naturally later, not maybe right then. He leadeth me, O blessed thought. O words with heavenly comfort fraught. And by the way, none of you kids know what fraught means. So I'm going to tell you. I mean, that doesn't. Do you know what fraught means? I think so. Let me hear. Um, filled with? This is. That's it. It means to be completely filled with. That's right. But fraught is not the word we all kick around and use a lot. But that's true. That's filled with. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Now back to Saul. Verse 21, and Saul answered and said, Am I not a Benjaminite of the smallest of the tribes of Israel and my family the least of all the families of the tribe of Benjamin? Why then do you speak like this to me? Although Saul was miraculously chosen by God, he soon turned from being humble and prophesying and filled with the Spirit of God to being self-willed, disobedient, and the kingdom ripped away from him and his descendants forever. Proverbs eleven nineteen says, As righteousness leads to life, so he who perceives evil pursues it to his own death. So what's the lesson for us? Well, the Lord may choose us and we flourish for a while, but self-willed pride and consistent disobedience can ruin our effectiveness in God's work in this world and in evangelizing others. But his Holy Spirit will never be removed from us. In the Old Testament, the Spirit of God came on folks temporarily and then left. The Holy Spirit left Saul. He no longer prophesied. And twice in chapter 15, when speaking to Samuel, he referred to your God, not my God. He was talking to Samuel, and he said, and your God, etc." When you read chapter 15, you'll see that. Eventually, Saul was tormented by an evil spirit sent from the Lord, and he tried to kill David several times, recognizing him as God's anointed, who would be the next king. 1 Samuel 16, 14 says this, very interesting scripture. It says, but the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord troubled him. God sent an evil spirit to hassle Saul. So what's the lesson for us? Listen to this and see if it sounds familiar to us, to you. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Whoa, that's a prayer that we used to pray every morning at school, the Lord's Prayer. And I went to a secular school. We'd say the Pledge of Allegiance. We'd say the Lord's Prayer. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. <clears throat> That's Luke 11.4, part of the Lord's Prayer. While God does not tempt 
any man says that in James. Temptation never comes from God. He sometimes allows or even sends evil spirits to test and tempt folks. That happened in 1 Kings 22, for example. You can read that account. But we're not going to go there and get diverted. Remember the Lord's words to Satan, uh, to Peter, when he said, Satan has desired to sift you like wheat. God would have to give permission and allow it before it could happen. Satan can't sift unless God allows him. Think with me just logically a moment. If it was up to Satan, he would kill all the Christians. All of them. We are protected by God. Have you ever thought of that? We're protected by God. Satan cannot touch you. The demons cannot touch you without the approval of God. That's what sovereignty means. The sovereign God, ruler over everything. Saul never repented the way that David did. Saul never sought God with a whole heart. So what's the lesson for us? After we trust Christ, confessing our sin is paramount. First John 1 John 1.9 says, if we confess our sins, this is for believers, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Apparently, Saul was never cleansed. He did not confess. In fact, when you read the account further here, Saul made excuses. It was the people's fault. The people made me do it. It was always somebody else's fault. Never, never Saul. Saul never took the blame that David did. Saul never repented like David did. Saul never sought God with a whole heart. So the lesson for us, after we trust Christ, we need to repent. The difference in the relationship between David and God and Saul and God is profound. May God grant that we have a heart like David's and learn from the grievous mistakes of Saul. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Psalm 31, 3 says, For you are my rock, my fortress. Therefore, for your namesake, lead me and guide me. Second Corinthians 2, 14 says, Now, thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. I asked that publisher in Oklahoma, why did you ask me that question? He said, somehow I felt like you knew the answer. That was why. Isn't that something? It wasn't because of my hair combed a particular way or the cologne that I was wearing. It happened to be something else. The leading of the Lord even continues into death, into eternity. Have you ever thought of that? The Lord continues to lead us after death. Let me read you this scripture. It's in Revelation 7.17. For the Lamb who is in the midst of the throne will shepherd them and lead them to living fountains of waters, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. His leading continues into eternity, after death, after you and I are with the Lord. 
He's still leading. He's still leading. So that's why I wanted to sing that hymn tonight, because I had never thought of all these things that really do mesh with theologically with the Lord leading us, even after death. <laughs> 